Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Thank you. A hoop and a holler. I like that. That's good. Um, as Jesse mentioned, my name is Nicole. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I don't know if they did this in the beginning. I had to run to the loo, but are there any new people? New, new people, first time. This is your first time here. Come on, welcome. Good to good to have you. It's awesome. One of um, one of our main values, if you will, which you can check them all out on our new website. Um, but one of them that we really focus on, especially what we feel like the Lord is speaking to us right now as a leadership team in this season, is equipping powerful people. Say equipping powerful people. It's good. Good. Good job, you guys. Um, not only equipping you for life, but also equipping you um, in your faith, equipping you in what it looks like to be a disciple, to disciple, to be in a family, to be family for people, equipping you for uh, the here and now, but also for the future and for what God has. And so the past couple weeks, the Lord has really been speaking to me about faith, unwavering faith. And I know that this, this word and this term gets used a lot. You go to any Christian bookstore and they've got like faith plastered on everything. It's like, wow, how do I get in this business? I just need to know a few words. Blessed, faith, love. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but this word is used a lot. And, and um, yeah, I, I just wanted to share a little bit of my heart this morning um, just about what God has been showing me what I, I feel like he's been brewing, not only inside of me, but just getting my heart excited for. Um, and so I have a lot of, around our house, we call it word vomit. Um, so if you're a visitor, we love you. And we're really organized people. Um, but, <laughs> but I just have so much that I just want to give you all at once, and I can't. Um, but I'll, I'll give you what I think is really important. To me, faith growing up was something that wasn't really around. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. In fact, I remember going to a really small church. I lived in a trailer park in Louisville, Kentucky, and there was this uh, sweet husband and wife team, and they'd come around in this van, and they'd pick up us little kids, and they'd take us. We could have walked there. I don't know why they brought a van, but it's just like down the street to this church, and I remember at age, gosh, probably 10 or 11, um, going to this little study that they had during the week, and they pulled me into this room. Anybody ever get pulled into the room? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> They're like, who wants, to, who wants to give their life to the Lord? You're dying. And everybody's like, oh, me? <laughs> who doesn't after you say that? Um, and so they, they pulled me into this room, and they taught me how to like bow my head and fold my hands correctly. There's a correct way, people. Um, and, and so they taught me how to do that, and I feel like I was doing really well. And then we prayed some prayer that I don't really remember. I'm pretty sure it was just the prayer of salvation. And that's when I was really young, but that didn't really mean anything to me. And then um, when I was about 14, I got baptized and gave my life to the Lord. Um, but I, I think I lived life unto myself for about three or four years after that. And um, it's really funny because I was thinking through this this past week of like, okay, timeline of stuff. It's really good. Young people in, in the house, write these things down because you're going to want to be able to share this with your kids and share this with someone eventually. And then you just start to forget things. But 
I am. Um, I was remembering being in high school after I was baptized and gave my life to the Lord and just living a, my own life, living my own life. And I remember I would get so convicted when I would go to parties. And I wasn't like a super crazy party girl. I, I did, that really wasn't my scene. But I went to parties and was living my life unto myself and did what everybody else was doing in high school. And I remember that I was so convicted that I was now a Christian that I would hide my alcohol in other types of containers so the people around wouldn't know I was drinking because I was the Christian. You're not the Christian. You can have the red solo cup. Fill it up. Me? I'm the Christian. So I had other types of containers that I would hide it in. This is just me being real. And because I was so convicted that I hadn't seen faith. I had seen people say they were Christians. I was in a Christian um, club in high school, and I saw those same people at the parties with their red solo cups. So it, it didn't look any different to me, and I don't know what it was in me, but I, I just was so convicted that I wasn't going to look like you because I was a real Christian hiding my alcohol. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it's really bad when um, I've been a preacher since I was born because I'd get shammered, and then I'd start telling people about Jesus. It's not good. It's so not good. It's like what's really inside of you starts to come out. And, and um, that's who I was. Christ was in me. And so while trying to hide who I really was in the life I was really living, I couldn't help but with slurred words and everything else, trying to tear about People would give their life to the Lord. Like, I, I wish I knew the names of these people because I'd go back and say, I'm so sorry. I led you to the Lord when I was drunk. I love you. <laughs> but is this okay with everybody? Y'all, this is me. Um, <laughs> people gave their life to the Lord when I wasn't under my own influence. And so faith to me growing up just wasn't a thing. You were a Christian or you weren't a Christian. And if you were a Christian, well, you kind of still looked like the world. And I remember, I, it was a summer, one summer, and I hadn't been home in a few days, and my grandmother practically raised me, and she calls me up, and she says, Nicole, they can't pronounce my name, Nicole, what the bleep are you doing with your life? And in that moment, I thought, hmm, what am I doing with my life? It wasn't like a, where am I going in my career? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to settle down? It was like a, my spirit was, yeah, what are you going to do with your life? And for whatever reason, grandma's very strong language convicted my heart in a new way. And it was like I got saved all over again. And it wasn't long after that that I realized either I need to find a way to sin and not feel guilty about it. Y'all know what I mean? <laughs> it's not even fun if you sin and you feel guilty about it. I either needed to find a, find a way to sin and not feel guilty about it or radically follow Jesus. It had to be one or the other. I was so sick and tired of being right in the middle. Y'all know lukewarm is not attractive to anybody. This morning I'm getting ready and bless the Lord Jesus for my amazing husband who had both of my sick kids downstairs so I could get ready. And we, had, uh, we were heating up coffee that we had left over. And <laughs> parent life. <laughs> and 
And um, I text them and I said, hey, is the coffee warm yet? I need that coffee. And he responds, it's lukewarm. My first thought was, ugh. I either want cold coffee, just give it to me cold, or give it to me hot. I don't want in the middle. I don't want the luke, the lukewarm. <laughs> it's no fun. And so I, when we went into youth ministry, I would, I would always tell our, our youth group, I'd say, listen, you get to choose this day who you, whom you are going to serve. Either serve yourself or serve God. You get to choose. I'm not trying to convince you or convict you. You get to choose whom this day you're going to serve. And, and I would always, the, uh, we'd get a lot of kids that would come through and, you know, there'd be like the real crazy ones, like the parents just drop them off because they want free babysitting. And then there, there'd be the real quiet, sweet, kind ones. And I'd always say, bring me the crazy ones. Bring me the real religious they can't do anything Christians or bring me the really radical atheist because I want those people. I want those people that feel convicted about something because if I can give them the right thing to serve, if I, can, if I can introduce them to Jesus, their craziness will turn, it'll turn out for good. I like the extremists. My, my grandmother passed away and I, um, I was in her house cleaning it out. And I was still, gosh, I think I was 18, 19 at this point, and um, I had my first encounter with the Lord. And I, I had never experienced anything like this. I didn't know what an encounter was, except if you were high. I didn't know what an encounter with Jesus was. Like, it wasn't, I hadn't learned this. I hadn't heard, I didn't have language for this. Nobody around me was talking about encounters with God. People didn't talk to God. That, like, wasn't a thing. And, um, and I had my first encounter with God, and it was so incredible, and I remember <laughs> I, like, ran out of the house, and um, a family member who was not in their right mind came, and I said, I think the Lord revealed to me, and I, I shared, and she was in her own world doing her own thing, and she's like, oh, yeah, I think I have those things, too, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, did I have the right kind of encounter? Like, I don't even, <laughs> you're having those things on drugs, and I had that thing, like, what? But the power of God in that encounter changed my life. And it wasn't something that I had learned from other people. And I'm so grateful for God. He, he just, the Lord has ministered to me more than anybody. But that encounter changed everything for me. And a couple weeks ago, we, um, our leadership team went to see the screening of um, Paul, the apostle. It's coming out in Easter. And... Um, it like re, I'm not a crier. I was telling, I was telling Michael Wallace this, this before. Like, I'm not a crier. And I like did the ugly, like, <laughs> like trying to hide it from everybody because our friends are there and I don't cry in front of people. And it's just like the ugly cry. I didn't care if makeup was going on the person next to me. Like my hair is all over the place. And, but it was convicting to my heart to see the life and just this like snippet of the life of Paul. And so I don't know if there are any young ones in here. It is, I'm gonna show you the screening just because I think it's powerful. It is rated PG-13. So if you have a child, a child in here and you don't want them to see, um, we're, gonna, we're gonna play it. And honestly, over here, it, it, things on the screen look a little bit better on the wall. So you can look here or you can look there. But do we have that? Can we play it? It's a two minute screening. So get your coffee, grab some popcorn. No, I'm kidding. Um, Trailer, not the screening, not the screening, just kidding, the trailer. Um, I'll have them throw that up there.
Because I want you guys to see and feel the mm in me. Come on. Yeah. I, uh, I think uh, Stephen, is Stephen in here? I think he's going to take a group of people to see that movie. So if you're interested, go talk to him. Um, I might have just signed him up for that. But we talked about it. Anyways, <laughs> I'm like, you should take a group of people to see this. Get on film, everybody else crying, so I feel better about myself. Um, gosh, but like that, that, the movie, what it did for me was it made the words come alive visually. Because you know, a lot of times, and you can probably relate to this, we can easily read the words in this book and we can go, but that was for them. That was for their time. They were gifted with that kind of radical faith. That's not me. I'm too introverted. That's not my gifting. That was Paul. Paul was crazy. And it's so funny because I'll, I'll sit with people and they'll say, I'd like to ask the question, if you, could, if you could be any character in the Bible, who would it be? And a lot of times, probably 99, okay, maybe 94% of the time, they'll say Paul. And I'm like, oh, for real? Shipwreck, beaten, stone, martyred, <laughs> in prison, uh, traveling all the time. You, you relate to Paul? I want to see your life. But, but we, we read the words in this book and, and, and we relate to them in a way because our spirit cries out to be that faith filled for God. But then we go, gosh, I just don't know if that is really for me because that was then and I live in America, so I can't live like that. When I first came to California, I thought I was going to be a missionary because I didn't want to share the gospel with people in America. I wanted to go to other places where they, they actually would receive but I'm believing for the biggest revival starting in Southern California this year, going to the ends of the earth. I'm believing in stadiums being filled in this place. I'm believing that the radical things that we see in other countries will happen here in Southern California and spread out. But there's something that I just want to highlight this morning about Paul. Something just about his unwavering faith. If we can just get a glimpse into what heroes look like into what people that we should model our lives look like we turn off our tv and we just get our face in the word because there's a lot of examples and none of them were perfect none of them were perfect they didn't have it all together most of them jesus had it all together but but my goal this morning is that you would leave just fired up men and women with faith, unwavering. Everybody say unwavering. Unwavering faith. Knowing that your life matters. Knowing that you're actually meant to change the world. It's not for some people. It's for all people. Knowing that, that every day that you are breathing and alive, there's actually a specific appointed reason why. It's not by accident. And it's so easy to just get in this thinking of like, well, I'm, I'm young, so of course I'm, I'm alive. No, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Jump in it. Get in it. And so I, I want to give you just a, a brief breakdown. There's so much about Paul, but I could talk for, for hours. Um, but I want to give you a brief breakdown of who he is, because maybe you've never heard of Paul. Maybe you don't know that his name was Saul. He was born in Turkey. He was a, a Roman citizen, and he um, hated Christians, hated. He was the modern-day ISIS, Paul. That's who he was. He hated that people 
would follow the way, Jesus. That people would, would forget the law and follow Jesus. And so we first hear about him in Acts 7. There was a brief moment of a man getting stoned. That was Stephen. That's in Acts 7. And, and Paul appears watching and agreeing with the stoning of Stephen, who was preaching the gospel. And then in, in Acts 8, there is great, great persecution that breaks out. Um, it's kind of a sad chapter, but, but Paul is going from home to home and pulling out men and women and children and imprisoning them for following the way. He's right there on the, on the battleground in the front, just radically hates Christians and anyone who follows the way. And then in Acts 9... So 7, 8, 9. In Acts 9, he's on the road to Damascus to go and arrest more people. He has orders. He has gone out of his way to get orders to go and arrest more people who follow the way. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And the scriptures say this. It says that Jesus says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is Acts 9. Why are you persecuting me? And it says that Saul is then blinded by the light. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one. Blinded by the light. And, and then he gets healed. And it says that the people that were with him were saying, he keeps saying the way. The way is right. So can y'all imagine for a second all these people that he's traveling with and people that know him, you know, as Saul, the hater of Christians, the hater of people who follow the way, and they're with him, and then he falls down. They don't know what happened. Well, maybe they saw Jesus. I don't know, but I'm assuming they don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, he's blind, and he's saying, the way is right. Your friends are probably like, what just happened? Did it get hot out here? You going a little delusional? But his life is radically changed from an encounter with God. Here's a guy who goes from hating Christians to now preaching his enemy's word. I love those Christians. They real cray before they became a Christian. And then they Christian. And you're like, wow, you are Christian because you were not like this, you know, two months ago or three months ago or whatever. You're like, I love those people. Because it's like they can't take any kind of credit for themselves. It is God because you were crazy before God. (laughs) And so I just want to impart faith this morning. We're going to read through Romans 1. But I want to impart faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Say faith. Tap your, tap your chest. Faith. I don't know why. We're not like a weird tapping church, but just <laughs> felt good in the moment. The definition for faith is this. It is complete trust or confidence. I want you to think about it for a second. I want you to just shut your eyes and think what you have faith in. Don't think about God for a second. I know that's it's not a great word, but just for a second, I want you to think about what you have had faith in where you had complete trust or confidence in that thing. Okay, now open your eyes. The truth is, a lot of us have faith in things that actually can't do anything for us. i give you an example. This chair. I typically sit in the third chair. I'm sure it's a different chair every week. But when I come in and I put my stuff on the ground and I sit in this chair, I have faith that this chair is going to hold my weight. I don't even think about it. I don't come in and go, hmm, I wonder if that chair is going to hold me today. Um... I don't carry a screwdriver with me and make sure all the, the nuts and bolts are, are tight and ready to go. I don't, I don't go over and, like, 
kind of make sure it's not going to (laughs) fall, you know? (laughs) I have faith that that chair is going to hold me up. And I don't even know because it's a different chair every week. So it could have got banged up in the storage unit and could be falling apart. But I just, I have faith and I sit down in it and just hope the best. (laughs) Another example in the morning, like when I wake up, I don't pray for 30 minutes that my legs work. I wake up, I turn over, stand and walk, (laughs) walk to my bathroom. Like it might be a little strange if I were calling you every morning like, Hey, Jesse, really need you to petition and pray for me right now because my legs, I don't know that they're going to work today. Like she might be like, oh, have you had leg issues in the past? No, but you never know. I don't know if they're going to work today. They worked yesterday and they've actually worked every day of my life. But, but can you just pray and petition on behalf of me that my legs work today? But the truth is a lot of us do that with our faith. A lot of us say we have faith and belief in God. And then when something happens, when it doesn't look the way we thought it was going to look, when we're getting persecuted, when someone doesn't agree with us, we just, we just pray God will come through. We petition, God, will you just come through in this situation? But has he always come through? Has he worked every other day? having faith in God looks like actually having confidence and belief that he is who he says he is, that that the word is true and who it says of the way, who it says of Jesus Christ and that it's for you. When we're not confident in Jesus alone, we'll question everything else. These feelings will come up and we'll question our feelings, but who knows feelings lie. Right, We don't put all of our faith in our feelings. They're a good little monitor, a little temperature gauge, but we don't put our faith in our feelings. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I, I think y'all know I'm pregnant. This isn't a burger. <laughs> I, did ask, I did ask somebody on Instagram, or I like made a post, it was like, burger or baby? I don't know if people are trying to be nice, but they're like, burger. This is not a burger. That is a big burger. (laughs) It might have been some of y'all, so sorry if I just called you out. But when there's something in you, when there's something growing in you, when there's something alive in you, you'll see it. You'll see that there's a baby in me. You'll see that there's something inside of me. It's not just me saying I'm pregnant, but there's nothing inside of me. You know that I'm pregnant, and you'll know that the, the older the baby gets in me, the further along I get, you'll see it. I'll become bigger. <laughs> Hopefully not too big, but it'll get bigger. That's the same with our faith. And, and I wish I could, I, I kind of want to just come up here and get a chair, get like a cup of coffee, and read all of Acts and all of Romans to you. That's really what I wanted to do. But I'll let you go home and just get completely blasted by the word, just reading it. Just honestly, here's a challenge. This week, read Acts. So good. Okay. But I, I want to read Romans 1 to you. And for a second, as we read this, I want you to picture the Paul that you saw on the screen. Just visually, it helps you kind of get in. 
understand, like, who is this man? But Romans 1, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I like this one lately. This is good. It says this, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Okay, so first of all, who has been to a conference? Ladies, raise your hand. Who has been somewhere where they've heard the introduction of somebody? Here's Paul. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, literally means holy at the disposal of another person. When's the last time you heard a preacher or a Christian or whomever else give you that kind of introduction? I was thinking like, oh, maybe that should be mine. Nicole, a bondservant of Jesus. If I go speak anywhere, that's just what I want people to say. And then I thought they're going to think I'm really weird. But anyway, it says this, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power. I say power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. This right here, underline this, highlight it, whatever you need to do. Obedience to the faith literally means yielding themselves to God's obedience, yielding themselves to God's salvation message. Obedience means yielding yourself. Anyways. Among all nations for his name, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. In the verse 7, he's talking to those in Rome, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you that your faith is spoken throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul's dying to get to Rome to preach to them. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. And then he kind of he, he, he says something um, along with that sentence. So first he says that I may impart, I want to come to you that I may impart a spiritual gift to you. But then it says, Verse 12, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Who knows when you get around people who have a faith, an unwavering faith, it is encouraging. It is uplifting. It drives you to, to be more radical in your faith, to know that Christ is alive because I see it in this person's life. Verse 13, now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. So much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you whom are in Rome also. Verse 16, and this one will just get you. Just remember this one. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, say power, of God to salvation for everyone, say everyone, who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I actually want to read to you verse, uh, glory, amen. I want to read to you the same verse, verse 16 from the Passion Translation. This one, wow, I just cried. 
Um, it says this, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power, say power, unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first and then the people everywhere. The gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power, say power, of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life-giving faith. I am unashamed of the gospel. Picture with me for a second. This is Paul. Radical hater of Christians to radical follower of the way. He's preaching the gospel. He's going wherever he can go, when he can go, when he's not imprisoned, when he's not shipwrecked, when he's, he's going to get the gospel out to let people know it is available for all people. He knows he's probably going to die. And in the movie, you know, that snippet of his life, he was, it was the end of his life. But, you know, he's got whips and marks on his back. And he's an, an older man. And he's laying on this concrete floor. And he's talking about the grace of God. And I'm sitting there, 31 years old, thinking, man, I can't talk about not having enough energy. Two kids can't get me down because look at what Paul's doing. Here's Paul unashamed of the gospel. He's not sorry for it. May, may, may I just encourage you to not be sorry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not be sorry for it. Stop saying you're sorry for it. I get that the world has maybe proclaimed God in a different way, but that's not for you. You're going to p- proclaim him in the way of the Lord and of love. For so long to my family, I would apologize. I would get in this way of like, I was literally called the, the black sheep of my family. I was, the, I was allowed to pray at Thanksgiving dinner. That was my role because I was the Christian. And I'd like look up a prayer online. Y'all ever do that when you first became a believer? I don't know what to pray. So I'm like, somebody has a good prayer out there. I'm gonna look it up and read it. Everybody's eyes are shut anyways. But to my family, I, I always felt like I needed to apologize But when you have complete trust and confidence in the one who came to give them life, who yet to believe, you don't need to apologize. You just need to proclaim the good news of the gospel. He was unashamed. He was unashamed. He didn't care what was going to happen to him because he knew what the end would bring. To Paul, this life didn't matter. You know, I was thinking about a time when I was most unashamed in something. And y'all have to forgive me because I am who I am. But I thought about the birth of my daughter. <laughs> and I kept thinking, oh, my gosh, all those people that were in that room. And I was just out with my glory for everybody to see. <laughs> and I didn't care. I mean, other things come out besides a baby. Ladies, y'all know what I mean? Other things come out, okay? I'm just being real. And I didn't care. People come in the room, and I'm like, hi, what's your name? Sally, good to meet you. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to this room. (laughs) Like, literally, I did not care. I went into the hospital room. It um, It was Halloween night, and I had blue eyeshadow, like, above my eyebrow. Uh, we don't really celebrate Halloween, but our friends are coming over and they're getting dressed up. And if you're at the ladies' conference, you saw the beautiful photo of me. But, you know, I decided that I could be a hillbilly in five minutes. 
because I had stuff in my closet to be a hillbilly, so I became a hillbilly for the night, and then I went into labor and showed up at the hospital like that, and I said to Paris, I said, do not let me give birth with blue eyeshadow. Do you hear me? <laughs> you, like the first order of business, you go in there and you get me a rag to take this blue eyeshadow off. <laughs> I was ashamed of that, but, but everything else I wasn't ashamed of. I was unashamed. But the truth is, I was unashamed because I knew what the end was going to get me. I didn't care what people were thinking as they came in. I didn't, I I mean, we had everybody and their auntie and their grandma in the room. I didn't care. I'm like, let's all enjoy this moment. And I think back and I'm like, oh, Lord, they've seen me. But I I didn't care because I knew life was going to be birthed. I knew that what I had been waiting on, what I had been working towards, what I had been taking those dang horse prenatal vitamin pills for, I knew that I was going to see what had been growing in me and, and what I had been working towards. And so when I think of being unashamed, I, I, honestly, I thought about that story. I'm sure there's a better one, but that's the story I thought of. And I wonder, like, as Paul just went around. I wonder if he thought, today I might die. And that's okay. To die is gain. Today I might die, but I'm going to preach the word that everyone can be saved. That you're not saved by the law. There has to be power of the resurrection and how you get saved. In fact, he even, he talks about the power of God. It's, it's dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. This is the, the Greek word. I have a stamp at home. I was going to bring it and stamp all your hands. And then I thought that was too much. But it, it literally means dynamite. And Paul uses this word power, which is why I had you all repeat this. Because he's saying, listen, without power in the salvation story, if you will, it actually can't save you. There was no power in the law, just a lot of law and rules and regulations to follow that none of us could meet, none of us could get through. And so he says, God gives, us salv- God gives salvation to anyone who believes. I'm sorry. If he said God gives us salvation to anyone who believes, we'd say yes. But he says God gives power of salvation. He could have taken the word power out, and we would have still been like, yeah, absolutely. But he finds it so important that there has to be a dynamic power in order to save. There's power in the word of God. You don't need to be like some hoo-hoo, rah-rah, outgoing, whatever, to share the message of Jesus Christ. There's power in just in the, in the word, you can just read the letters and the power will come alive. You know, it's not your job to convict people. Let me just for a second. It's not your job to convict people. Will you convict people? Yep. Will people be convicted by your life? Yes. Would I say they should? Yes. Is it your job to convict people? No. Because I'm going to tell you why. If you get in this mindset that it's my job to convict everybody in the room and to get them saved and healed and delivered, you're going to be acting out of works. Now, will it happen? Yes. Should it happen? Absolutely. But if you just go into it, that the word of God 
is powerful enough in itself. You get to be you, and I think you can all read. All you need to do, if you don't have it memorized, which I would suggest, is read. Read the word to people. Recite Bible verses that you've memorized. The power of God is here. You don't need to worry about it, about you being there or ready or just all that craziness. Through the power of God, righteousness is revealed. I love that that Paul talks about righteousness. I'm going to read it again. It's just that last sentence. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you have a lack of faith in some area of your life, you might just have a lack of understanding of who God is. When I have a lack of faith in an area of my life, it is because I don't understand the full revelation of God in that moment. It is because I don't understand the power of the gospel in that moment. So I just go and I read it as if I've never read it before. Or I ask God, Lord, give me faith to understand. Or just give me faith to get through. The Lord said to me one time, he said, you don't need to understand. You just need to know that I'm good. It was the best word he's ever given me. Given me. You don't need to understand. You need to know that I'm good. Have faith in this area. You know, the, the Pharisees were really good at religion. And the truth is we could read our Bibles for three hours a day. It'd probably be really beneficial. We could pray. You know, we could get on our knees and in a dark room with candles lit and essential oils going. And we could pray for hours upon hours. And that would be great. But without faith, that stuff doesn't matter. Because when Paul was in front of people and, and they were going to stone him, when he was in front of people and they were disagreeing, when, they, when he was being thrown into prison, I think in that moment the power of salvation mattered more than anything else. His faith, his unwavering faith mattered more. And, and I, I got to think about this and I thought, oh, well, people are going to get belief and faith confused. So I thought I would share with you, belief is a product of our mind. Faith is a product of our spirit. Belief, product of the mind. Faith, product of the spirit. See, I can believe a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that my life has changed because of that belief. I might believe that high fructose corn syrup is not good, but I had a Girl Scout cookie yesterday, and I didn't look at the label, and it has high fructose corn syrup in it. <laughs> we'll pray for you afterwards, Pastor Ken. I'm kidding. <laughs> You can believe a lot of things and your life may not be changed by it. But if you have faith in something, your, your faith is surrendering to what is true. If I would have read the label, my, my faith would have surrendered that Girl Scout cookie and said, I ain't having any part to do with that. Because my belief and my faith would be aligned. Does that make sense? So belief is here. Faith is here. And I say to you this morning that your faith in God will matter more than your belief in God. Let me unpack that for just a second. Your faith in God, your faith, your unwavering faith in front of your family members, your friends, your whomever, will matter more. The way in which you live your life will matter more than you saying you believe in God. The first sermon I ever preached was probably really horrible, but I remember I titled it 
um, to convince you to not be a Christian. Because I was so tired of people saying they were a Christian and their lives didn't look like it. And I thought, gosh, if 12 men can, can really change the world, I just need 12 people who truly believe it. Just 12 people who, Paul, I mean, just give me one person who has faith in God. Your life was meant to be a living testimony. I'm almost finished. There's just a couple other things. Your life was meant to be a living testimony. Your life is not your own. If you have been baptized, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you died. Everybody's like, I want to see a dead person raised to life. Well, did you see yourself? Because you did, and then you're alive. <laughs> We've all seen them. <laughs> we'll have baptisms again. Y'all can see all kinds of dead people raised to life. When you gave your life to the Lord, you died. You then became a yielded person in obedience to Jesus Christ, which means nothing else matters except for your obedience in faith in Jesus nothing else. I watched this movie and I, I went home and I told Paris, I said, maybe our kids shouldn't play sports. Maybe we shouldn't have extracurricular activities. Maybe you know, I was like going through all these like, nothing else matters. And that's not what I'm saying. Cause God wants to reach the people on your kids' sports teams. Be, be a spokesperson for that. Make it a point to be at those games so that you can share the gospel. But, but your life is not your own. God has taken residency in you. You are not moved and swayed by your feelings and by the world. You, you, you are moved and swayed by the Holy Spirit and by Christ in you. And the last thing I just want to share, because I felt like these were tangible things that I really wanted to release, because a lot of this has to do with evangelism and sharing the gospel and how do we do that. I think there are two ways. The first way is you sharing the gospel, you talking. And, and I know a lot of you will say, but I'm not outgoing, but I don't like to talk to people, but that's just not my giftings. But the truth is, I, I think if I asked you if you were walking past someone on the street and they were dying of a disease and you had the cure to the disease in your hand, I think that you would get it to them. Now, maybe some of you would quietly just walk past and put it in front of them and keep going. Uh, you extroverts in the room, y'all be singing, I have the cure, I have the cure. And you'd be loud and boisterous and you, you, you'd find a way to get it to them. Whatever way, you'd still find a way to get it to them. But here's the deal. Christ in you is the answer for all dying people that will be separated from Jesus. So if you're an introvert in the room, that is not an excuse. You have a specific way to get it to people. The second, the second way, which actually, can I just add, being bold for Christ is not screaming. Being bold for Jesus is not holding signs telling people they're going to hell. I, I, I don't know anybody that got saved that way. Maybe some people do. I don't know, but I always want to minister to those people. Being bold doesn't look like screaming and yelling and trying to convince people. Being bold is living your life unto the Lord. Side note. The second area for evangelism, the second area that I want you to get is just your life. Your life. I can't tell you how many people have, have personally messaged me on social media that I don't even remember 
apparently I went to grade school with or I knew from Kentucky some, somehow. I don't remember them. But, but I, I've never shared the gospel with them, but they've watched my life. And they've reached out, hey, can you tell me more about this? Or, you know, a lot of times I'll have questions about things and, and then I'm able to share. But people will be more attracted to your life and how you live in unwavering faith unto Jesus Christ. They'll be more attracted to you, how you deal with suffering, how you deal with pain, how you deal with things in your life, seasons, all these words. They'll, be, they'll watch you and they'll know when they watch you whom you serve. People will know. You're, you're praying for your family members. I release that testimony to you. I have seen three family members give their life to the Lord. I've prayed for them for 20 years. 20 years. In the past year, I've seen three. So I release that to you. But let me tell you, your life is going to be the best way to spread the gospel. Because they will ask you when they're going through a situation. What would you do in this situation? Because they've watched you from afar. You don't know the people that are watching you. I need y'all to know this. This might sound creepy. I don't mean to sound creepy, but they people watching you. So live your life in such a way that gives God glory. Live your life in such a radical way that doesn't, it doesn't even look like you. It's like Christ has to be in you because you live this life so yielded that it doesn't make sense to the world most of the time. And that's okay. We have to give an account to him, not to your neighbor. You will give an account to God himself, not to your neighbor. So I actually want to have, man, I really wanted Jessie to pray. Is she still here? She doesn't know this. I want my husband to pray. Jessie, can you pray? I'll hold your daughter. Yeah. Um. Just to end really quick, because, because I wanted, I was thinking of people whom I see walk in such faith, and I wanted them to release that to you. I could pray for you, but, but I want to bring two people that, one, I do life with, and two, I actually saw, I saw on your Facebook the ways in which you're stepping out in faith recently. Oh, bless you, Faith. Her daughter's name is Faith. Hello. She's what? She's carrying faith, literally. But, but I want us to stand, just really quick, stand, get your, get your blood moving. And I want them, they're just going to pray quickly a prayer over you, a releasing over you that you would not have because you already have it. It's just a willingness if you're going to walk in it or not, but unwavering faith. All right? Prayer or declaration? Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you for the people in this room and for the hunger that you're stirring through Nicole. I just thank you for your radical spirit within us. I pray that you would open the eyes of their hearts to see that they are complete in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would give them the bravery to take risk and knowing that risk is never going to feel safe. (laughs) It always feels scary. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just give them bravery and the heart of a lion, even when they feel like a chicken sometimes that they would know the truth of the God inside them and the power of the truth that comes from their mouth. I feel like there's a lot of people in here that are going to change the world seriously and don't know it yet. And so just take heart. If you're not seeing it yet, it's coming. He's taking down every lie in your mind right now to bring you into a fruitful place where you're going to be changing the life of everybody that sees you, knows you, 
or you touch. Even the people you buy coffee from, they're going to see it. And so um, I just bless all of you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's worth a clap. I'll keep it short. Lord, every single one of these people are beautifully and wonderfully made. They contain the only weapon that they need to impact, and that's your spirit, your gospel. And Lord, as they go out from this place, Lord, I just pray that there would be a power and a boldness that fills up, Lord, like a cup being overflowed. No matter what their personality, whether they consider themselves introverts, extroverts, that is irrelevant in this moment, Lord Jesus. God, because they have all that they need. And we just declare boldness over every single one of them. That every single purpose, every single person has a purpose. Don't tell yourself otherwise. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, love y'all. Bless you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.